This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pro-AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So the AV industry is always feeling the effects of a content-driven consumer base. More emphasis on content obviously means quality displays for that content to live on. But even beyond that, the visual is only half the game. To really capture the experience-driven demands of the consumer and reflect this growing experience economy, quality sound is having to do a lot of that heavy lifting for full immersion. So here to dig into the power that speaker technology can have on end-user engagement is Dave Howden, Application Engineering Manager for the Large Venues Group for Community Loudspeakers, a BiAmp company. Dave, great to have you on today. How are you doing? I'm great, Daniel, and very happy to be here to discuss this topic. Yeah, it's definitely a timely one. Uh, you know, we definitely see the industry, I think, every day embracing the growth of the experience economy more, which is exciting because the opportunities are so creative and so limitless. But with it also comes that realization that both the A and the V have to work together to create that full immersion. Absolutely true. We spend so much time looking at visuals these days, and the audio that goes with it is as, if not even more important uh, than the visual aspect of it. Yeah. So you personally have mixed for over 1,500 indoor and outdoor professional sports venues, mostly in the Philly area. So you know firsthand how crucial sound can be for a big community event. Uh, you know, break down some of the experiences that you had putting together and mixing those events in the Philly area and how sound really gave you those engagement wins. You know, the audio, you know, as, as things have, you know, gone along, you know, over the last 22 years of me working in that moonlighting in that particular market segment, uh, certainly, you know, seen and lived through the transition of it's just a sound system in the smaller, older arenas up to today, where in the indoor and the outdoor venues, uh, the display technology has got, gotten much, much larger and the way people are consuming content, whether at ho they're at home or on the go or at their desktop or just about anywhere, they're really used to great visuals, uh, especially when you're looking at a screen up close. Uh, but they're also used to sort of this this near field audio experience. You know, a lot of people consume their uh, content, you know, whether it be headphones, earbuds, or desktop speakers. They're just really, really used to very clear audio that is very well synchronized to the to the content they are watching and that's certainly a challenge in larger venues the screens and all the display surfaces they've certainly moved outside of the arena even just to the concourses even the walk-up areas of these venues the uh, the opportunity to whether it's you know promote the branding of a team or they're selling merchandise or whatever it's 
the audio to go along with that visually compelling content is just really important to get the message across. Um, whether it be something you're just walking past uh, casually, you have a limited time that you can engage a customer and perhaps sell them a product or service or selling your branding, all the way to inside in event during whatever sort of sporting event it might be. The audio really has to match the quality of the visuals to effectively engage that customer base. Yeah, for sure. And have you felt this content-driven, experience-driven marketing strategy impact the AV industry directly? I mean, you, you kind of broke it down a little bit there with some of your experience in sports venues, but specifically when it comes to AV professionals and their projects, are they feeling that content and experience economy-driven strategy um, you know, themselves? Uh, we certainly are as an industry, and the industry has really stepped up you know, over the years. I mean, we're currently... Currently and certainly, you know, feeling and the industry as a whole is responding to the needs and desires of the, you know, I call it content everywhere age that we're now in. End users and specifiers are no longer thinking about audio or video, but about converged and most importantly, scalable platforms to deliver that content through to the masses. Has to be easy to deploy, hopefully upgradable as the times are changing video formats and contents ever changing audio on the other hand it's kind of kind of staying the same but the industry as a whole has stepped up to make it really easy to build these converged networks to transport you know the audio and video content whether it just to be around a, a mall or a shopping complex all the way to you know widely distributed content in these large sorts of venues uh, that we were speaking of and what would you say consumers are looking for? from their venues and the stores that they visit. And do you feel like there's a certain expectation coming from the consumer now around the level of content and immersion in these uh, physical brick and mortar stores? I certainly I certainly yeah, I certainly feel that, you know, that's true. I mean, marketing you know, sales and branding in venues, whatever type, you know, whatever type it may be, is you know, very specifically targeted to the clientele. Um, Gone are the days of just having some upbeat background music in a, a retail location or possibly right. a shopping complex. You know, today's consumers are used to being engaged with audio and video content all the time, you know, as well as on the go. So if you're shopping in a, a brick and mortar store, you likely are feeling some sort of lifestyle connection with a brand. If you bother to get in your car and go there rather than just purchase it online, um, you know, you likely have some sort of connection with that brand. And this is especially true for, you know, say clothing products or some sort of types of sports goods. Uh, you will in all likelihood, you know, see very similar imagery in these spaces that you visit and pop, you know, possibly there'll be background music on the website, you know, while you're browsing products and they will, you know, if somebody's doing their marketing properly, they will want this experience from the screen to transcend to the in-store or on-location experience also. Uh, if you're Shopping for technology, uh, you know, latest, greatest computer or whatever device, you know, there's likely to be a lot more high quality, quality and possibly very large display surfaces in these retail environments highlighting products. 
On the other hand, as we spoke about earlier, for you know, in a in a more of an entertainment venue, say you're you know consuming you know a live entertainment, whether it's a sporting event, live music, or theatrical event, the bar is set pretty high for the content and quality of the reproduction in these spaces. You know, it's often an expensive ticket to get in, and there's an expectation that you're going to be engaged and you know spending good money, so you want the entire experience. Uh, the display surfaces, the sound systems, the lighting systems are all necessarily bigger in these in these uh, larger venues. Uh, you could say, you know, grand content on a grand scale. And applied properly, uh, regardless of which of these types of venues we're in, you know, these systems give the content creators the ability to connect with the patrons and their wallets, possibly, uh, unlike ever before. Which is pretty incredible because I feel like it puts the control of the experience back on the consumer. And I think in in every aspect of our life, we like feeling like what we're consuming, what we're doing, you know, what we're working on, like we have some kind of autonomy, like we have influence over aspects of our lives. And so I think that push and the impact that audio has on making that happen on make I don't know on immersing you in that environment so that you can create your own path while you're shopping while you're exploring a museum you know while you're at an open um, uh, an open ceiling bar while you're at a sports venue whatever it might be it's just really powerful stuff. Yeah, you're you're selling the experience, right? Right, and that's what people are buying buying into. Whether it's shopping, uh, consuming that way, or you're being engaged in a you know some sort of a live uh, event. So, how is this translating to outdoor venues, and not necessarily your giant sports stadiums, but let's say you know a smaller patio bar or um, a smaller let's say, outdoor theater, something like that. How is this whole experience economy and audio-driven initiative translating to outdoor venues, and why is this an exciting time for that? Well, it's really exciting just because there's so many products that have been developed really in the display world to survive in this outdoor environment. You know, 10 years ago, uh, at least on the smaller scale, there weren't many products that were really even designed to survive the the heat and the humidity and the dust and what have you. So now we have all those great tools available for a wide variety from your small to, let's say, you know, med- you know, medium-sized uh, venues. Uh, the level of excitement engagement that the content creators and honestly the operators or programmers of these systems can induce through you know high quality appropriate scale av systems is you know truly incredible and extraordinary uh, you know, a lot of different types of venues we mentioned there but you know in the end all this wonderful technology, this converged technology between you know, uh, display technology and audio technology is allowing you know, artists, brands, teams, and organizations to present themselves in this often larger-than-life format, which can be quite captivating uh, when, when done properly. Um, I also think we'll see some exciting uh, VR and AR technologies that ex- enhance this excitement uh, further 
uh, in the not too distant future that are all very scalable, very affordable, whether it's the local community theater or smaller outdoor uh perform you know performance space and it'll probably transcend you know into you know into the retail environment too as stores really try and uh, you know keep clientele come you know co you know coming in um, the content challenges uh, in indoor spaces are you know generally easily mitigated. You know, the displays are typically only a certain distance away and they're sized appropriately, you know, for the messaging to come across uh, on them. When we get to uh, outdoor spaces, be it, you know, th you know, the theater, you know, your theaters, things of that sort, we're starting to see, you know, more of, you know, display technology as the price comes down and the ease of creating content uh, increases, you'll see more of this, you know, this, you know, visual technology being integrated into those spaces just because it's affordable. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of you know medium to large to huge high resolution displays to choose from these days in almost any shape and aspect ratio and survivability whether you're on the equator in a hot humid environment or in a very you know desert like environment anywhere in between uh, the display brightness and resolution uh, parameters increase on a regular basis hmm. uh, through technology to address the perceived quality of content, you know, even in direct sunlight, which is one of the greatest challenges outdoors. Um, there's certainly other challenges uh, that come from come from producing producing quality content uh, in you know in these spaces. Uh, if we look at the smaller venues, you were usually able to have speakers, you know, closer closer to listeners, and a very very consistent experience. When we go to larger scale venues, whether it be outdoors or it could be, you know, outside of a town center or something like that, you know, we start running into some potential challenges with synchronization issues. You know, when do you hear the audio versus the video versus seeing the imagery? Uh, light travels fast. It's instantaneous. You see it and there's not too many challenges, assuming it's bright enough. On the other side, uh, sound travels slow. Uh, you know, it, sound travel, sound travels, uh, you know, very, you know, very slow. Uh, compared compared to light, so keeping content synchronized really helps keep people engaged. I mean, ideally, and this is kind of easy to do indoors. We we want people to hear the audio within about thirty five milliseconds of seeing it. Uh, in a in a smaller venue, this may be uh, relatively practical. Certainly, you know, in retail, nobody even notices it. You know, that latency, as we call it. In the in audio terms, uh, there's not enough of it for people to become disengaged because they see somebody talking on a screen, uh, but the audio isn't quite lined up. In a perfect world, we'd always have a speaker within about 35 feet of every listener in a large venue or an arena. But lucky for us, our our brain is quite 
tolerant to these visual discontinuities in these environments uh, where we may hear the sound oh, you know, perhaps up to a quarter second after actually seeing the image. But if there's no visual cues associated with it, you're not watching somebody's lips, it's just maybe background music for some sort of a you know, video content, it's not really a big deal. When you get somebody talking on a screen or some sort of visual cues, like, oh, I should I should be, I see what they're doing on the screen, but a quarter second later I'm hearing it. Those discontinuities uh, need to be managed. But this does create a, a good case for speakers being distributed around the targeted listening area, you know, whatever right. type of venue you're in. Um, you know, for instance, in the larger outdoor venues, say, and it, it's cost effective and popular to place very high power speakers in an end zone scoreboard of, say, a large college stadium. And synchronizing the sound to those visuals, you know, you usually pick the middle of the stadium, you know, take care of the, the booster club seats, the people that probably paid to get that upgraded video and sound system. But there's, you know, it's trade-offs, you know, a point source sound system flanking a, a very large video screen versus a distributed system. There's a very large cost delta in, the, uh, in there and there's, there's trade-offs, but cost versus perceived performance. You know, cert certainly key. And one last note on it, you know, in, in a more transitory environment, say you're, you know, in a shopping complex or, you know, just in a large store, you know, the content of the display may not demand your total engagement beyond a glance for you to get the message. I mean, that's certainly the marketer's dream. You got to be engaged for seven seconds to get a message and then you can move on and they made their impact, you know, with their with their great content. And this is especially true if there's just perhaps a, a backing musical track to support, you know, a product branding with flashy visuals and lifestyle imagery, you know, in a retail location, you know, town center or other venue. A lot of different subjects at once there, but they're all certainly important and applicable. Well, it's really interesting to see that the audio and the speakers are driving this immersion forward. And like you said, making sure the placement is correct, uh, making sure the content is created with that placement and with that venue in mind, uh, all furthers that immersion for the end user. Um, you know, if you had to summarize why audio in these outdoor venues is going to be what propels people to full immersion, how would you do it in like an, an elevator pitch? Audio, you know, audio is, you know, extremely crucial. It's crucial to have, you know, quality content that's well recorded, you know, well mastered. Uh, and so that it, it sounds right, that, you know, it's not fatiguing to listen to. And the amount of information that you can convey from an audio track and the amount of time that it takes to do compared to, trying to convey the exact same message using using visuals only uh, probably you know what you could accomplish in 10 seconds with a backing audio track to visuals versus visuals only it might take 30 seconds to achieve the exact same uh, outcome you know whether that be selling or branding or or what or what have you so having good clear audio that matches you know to 
the content that you've created. It's just a much more efficient delivery method and people will be engaged, you know, far better for that short amount of time, say 10 seconds versus looking at a display for 30 seconds to get the messaging. Uh, it's just a much more efficient medium for uh, making the sale the branding or whatever the end goal is. I love that. All right. So another aspect of outdoor venues is often the size of the speakers. When you think, okay, we need to blast this audio to everyone. We need to make sure it cuts through any other ambient noise, traffic noise, people's chatter. The speaker's got to be big, right? The speakers have to have the, the firepower basically to reach everyone from the front to the back. Is size always correlated to the impact of these speakers for immersion? And is larger always necessarily better when dealing with outdoor content? Well, part of, you know, part of that's kind of e- kind of easy to answer. Uh, but you know, I go off on a slight tangent. You know, when we're when we're uh, you know when you're uh, when you're in more of a, a shot in a non a non sporting venue, you. The, the size of the speakers really, in general, correlates to how loud can it get and how loud does it need to get is, okay, how far are we trying to project the sound and over what level of background noise? So while in a more of a, a retail uh, envir- you know, environment, you probably don't need really large speakers. In fact, in a retail environment, you may have a bunch of small speakers distributed overhead or on the walls in order to provide a very uh, consistent listening experience for the target audience across the uh, you know, across the entire space. So, in that in those terms, it's you know the smaller speakers are fine because. Architecturally, we have places to put small speakers and run them at a lower volume. When we start working with larger venues, though, uh, you know, we've been kind of concentrating on sports here. Working in the large, larger venues, we have, you know, due to sightline constraints, so people can see the screens or the display surfaces, especially in the actual uh, venue itself. Often we need to you know, use larger speakers, and in general, the the louder and lower and fr- you know frequency you need to go when projecting long distances, which to me a long distance is anything over about 50 feet, the larger the speaker cabinet physically is, and this is especially true for the very low bass and subwoofers that deliver. All that visceral experience. You know, subwoofers and speakers that go down very low frequency are just necessarily large because physics says so. Uh, On the other hand, as I mentioned, devices are only projecting up to, you know, 30 feet. You could probably hold them in, you know, hold them in one hand. You know, it's important to have devices far enough above people's ears so that you're not blasting the people out, you know, in any environment, you know, when they're close to it. So height is height is king here, but uh, we're still able to reach the furthest targeted listener um, you know, within about 30 feet. These speakers can still be relatively small, but when we get into a larger sports venue, 
if it's an indoor arena, the speakers are oftentimes up to 100 feet away from you, flanking uh, some video uh, scoreboard or what have you. And they just have to be large because they have to create a lot more energy due to the fact that sound attenuates six decibels every time you double the distance from it. So from three to six feet, you get six decibels quieter. Six to 12 feet, six decibels quieter. And if you extrapolate that out to 100 feet, you're better than, you know, the, the sound is, you know, mid-20s, you know, 30 dB quieter than it was when it left the speaker. And the speakers are just necessarily big in order to deliver an appropriate amount of sound pressure level at those larger distances. And kind of correlating to this size conversation is also the conversation of aesthetics of these speakers. Um, you know, that's not the end all be all goal that you have pretty looking speakers in your venue, but it does often add or detract from the guest immersion. Uh, sometimes seeing the giant speakers and, you know, feeling the rumble and feeling like, wow, look at that giant speaker. I'm immersed in this experience is kind of part of the fun. Other times, a giant speaker in your face, it kind of pulls you out of the experience. Do you see the aesthetics of speakers mattering in these outdoor venues and just tying into this whole experience economy conversation we've been having? It certainly does, and there's a number of angles you can take on this. It's If we look at aesthetics just from a physical size of the speaker, with the architecture of so many newer sporting venues having you know lower you know lower ceilings, you know they kind of demand that you have smaller speakers so that you do not obstruct the view to perhaps you know the playing surface might not matter as much in the concourses or somewhere like that. But uh, this is something that the architects and the consultants and specifiers are very keen to having as low a profile as possible, but still being able to create the needed, uh, the needed output. Uh, We're pretty, you know, we're pretty lucky in this day and age and the, the density of, components that you could get into one box with all these modern technologies in the uh, speaker uh, world that what used to take, you know, a very large array, something to, you know, perhaps, you know, six feet wide and, you know, eight feet tall. There's many cases today where that that you know due to modern technology of you know woofers, tweeters, and drivers, you know we're compressing that down to maybe a quarter the size, so we can get more sound out of a smaller package over a very wide bandwidth. Uh, you know, in the in the sports world, you know these things are also. You know, they also have to attach to structure. The structural engineers don't want things up there. They're going to create an excessive amount of wind load and cause them to have to over-design the structure any more than they, they need to for the building's, you know, day-to-day needs. So the, you know, higher output, higher power density within a single box has definitely been, you know, a, a great advantage and as it's more aesthetically pleasing uh, just, you know, in short. Uh, but in the end, the speaker needs to, 
you know, be large enough and high enough out have high enough output capability in order to reach the desired sound pressure level at whatever distance we're projecting the sound. Right. You don't want to design with only aesthetics in mind. You don't want to sacrifice the integrity of the immersion just to have something that is blended into the rock structure or, you know, looks looks uh like nothing, right? That blends in or, you know, you go for something that is really in your face and garish and that's kind of part of the look but in doing so you miss out on deeper immersion it should all be for the the experience in mind first and then i think as you get that end goal in mind the aesthetics of the display i think become clearer yeah they certainly do i mean there's there's certainly tra- trade-offs as i've mentioned how far do we want to project sound and at what level and over what frequency range uh, is really going to dictate the size of a speaker system. Now, in standalone displays, you know, that may be you know, kiosks or places in malls or outdoor signage in front of some sort of a business or a venue, assuming the local noise ordinance is uh, allow it you know you may have speakers in that and maybe you're only trying to engage people 100 you know 150 feet away i say only because it's really not hard to do that but let's make sure we keep it out of the neighborhoods or off the other businesses you know we'll often see signage companies uh integrating the speakers so that you really don't see them they'll make it part of They'll, they'll fit them inside the same enclosure that the display is in as long as they understand the targets ahead of time, which generally you know, takes away all the questions of aesthetics in those standalone types of uh, displays in those environments. All right. So to put a nice bow on this conversation, I want to just bring it back to the general inclination of AV professionals, of their clients, and just of, of the industry to be thinking of this as they're building these immersive experiences. Do you think that quality audio is at the forefront or still an afterthought for delivering engaging content? It's it's gotten better. Yeah. Um it you know now with so much content being very specifically created for different environments. It's the uh you know, the audio quality, there's certainly the opportunity there with the very efficient means of creating content from visual to, to audio in small, compact you know, spaces, you know, perhaps even just at home. Uh, it's, uh, we're able to more easily create content more suited to the space which it's going to be displayed in. Uh, in the large venue world of sports, we get content from a variety of creators. Uh, some audio is cut for a radio station ad, and they're just you know reusing it because they don't have to recreate it. Or maybe for television, you know, it's the same commercial you see advertising in a sports venue as you'd watch on TV. You know, some comes from sponsors; they create their own content uh, for their special night at whatever event it might be. And then there's also a lot of it that's produced in-house in these these large venues. Um, you know, on the retail side, it, content's generally very, very uh, carefully controlled and constructed in order to add to 
that customer's experience while they're in that in that environment. It's generally a fairly well-controlled environment, and the content is following along with you know whatever their style guide is for audio and visuals and everything else. But when we get into the larger venues, you know, people get a little bit more lax, and we do see a lot of content has to be replayed on these large displays over these huge speaker systems, and it was cut or mixed for radio and television. And it's often right. very highly compressed, uh, meaning the difference between the loud and the quiet, you know, like most radio and TV programming is, uh, it's you know, it just doesn't sound good on these very high resolution systems as opposed to maybe smaller speakers. And honestly, it's just it's much less pleasant to listen to. But as I said, that's how most radio and TV programming is. Uh, for the larger venues, uh, we like to have content, uh, audio content to match up with the visual content that has a lot more dynamic range and does not have an overabundance of added high-frequency information as is very typical in content that's created the radio and television mind. It's very t fatiguing to listen to, you know, over time, especially on these very wide bandwidth, high-resolution systems. If they're trying to make the speaker and a TV or the earbuds sound good or something like that, there's a way they'll equalize it around that. But ideally, you know, the content is mixed with the type of uh, venue in mind that it's going to be played back in. And hopefully the content is mixed on some sizable studio monitors that provide that wider bandwidth reproduction for the person that's actually creating it. I mean, I'm with you there. I feel like as as stores have to continue to rethink their place in retail specifically, um, or as venues have to rethink their place in this larger experience economy and they have to decide how do we appeal to people's innate need to experience something unique and personalized and how do we get them to break out of the convenience of e-commerce and online entertainment and media and get them to come to our physical location? Well, the immersion's obviously going to do that, and the audio can't be discounted. Because like you said, a lot of times it's an afterthought still, even though you, we do see uh, more of a focus on it. The visuals, I think, have have taken most of the attention when it comes to designing something immersive in a physical location. So it, it's exciting to see that it is getting better, but I still think there's work to be done, and I think it can come from all areas. I think it can come from companies like yours. I think it can come from other creative professionals in the AV industry that are consulting with clients. And I think there should be education, too, to these clients, to uh, retailers, to venue operators and facility managers, people that are revamping or revitalizing their spaces and letting them know that while the visuals are important, the audio can sometimes do even more to immerse your, um, your audience and your consumers and leave them feeling like, wow, I had a second-to-none experience. So it's all very exciting, definitely some work to be done. But Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and giving us this breakdown and your thoughts on just the general growth of audio in the experience economy, how it fits into outdoor venues specifically, 
and some of the tells that you have for the future of engagement um, and how audio is going to play a role in that. So thanks again, Dave. Thank you very much. It's uh, wonderful to uh, be here. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.